by whom I have been blessed with this body, and by whose grace I can see him within and without. Sri Prabhupada's purport. The evolutionary process of different types of bodies is something like that of a fructifying flower. Just as there are different stages in the growth of a flower, the bud stage, the blooming stage, and the full, the full pledge, fully grown stage of aroma and beauty, there are 8,400,000 species of bodies in gradual evolution. And there is a systematic progress from the lower species of life to the higher. The human form of life is supposed to be the highest, for it offers consciousness for getting out of the clutches of birth and death. The fortunate child in the womb of his mother realizes his superior position and is thereby distinguished from other bodies. Animals and bodies lower than that of the human being are conscious only as far as their bodily distress and happiness are concerned. They cannot think of more than their bodily necessities of life. Eating, sleeping, mating, and depending. But in the human form of life, by the grace of God, the consciousness is so developed that a man can evaluate his exceptional position and thus realize the self and the Supreme Lord. The word Dharma Shariri means that we have a body in which we can control the senses and the mind. The complication of materialistic life is due to an uncontrolled mind and uncontrolled senses. One should feel grateful to the Supreme Personality of Godhead for having obtained such a nice human form of body. And one should properly utilize it. The distinction between an animal and a man is that the animal cannot control himself and has no sense of decency. Whereas the human being has the sense of decency and can control himself. If this controlling power is not exhibited by the human being, then he is no better than an animal. By controlling the senses or by the process of yoga regulation, one can understand the position of his self, the super soul, the world and their interrelation. Everything is possible by controlling the senses. Otherwise, we are no better than animals. Real self-realization by means of controlling the senses is explained here. One should try to see the Supreme Personality of Godhead and one's own self also. To think oneself the same as the Supreme is not self-realization. Here it is clearly explained that the Supreme Lord is a Nadi or Purana and he has no other cause. The living entity is born of the Supreme Lord as his part and parcel. It is confirmed in the Brahma Samhita. Anadi Radi Govinda. Govinda, the Supreme Person, has no cause. He is unborn. But the living entity is born of him. 
as confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, Mama Ivamshaha. Both the reality and the Supreme Lord are unborn, but it has to be understood that the supreme cause of the part and parcel is the supreme personality of Godhead. Brahma Samhita therefore says that everything has come from the supreme personality of Godhead, Sarva Karana Karana. The Vedanta Sutra confirms this also. Janmari Asya Yataha. The absolute truth is the original source of everyone's birth. Krishna also says in Bhagavad Gita, I am the source of birth of everything, including Brahma and Lord Shiva and the living entities. This is self-realization. One should know that he is under the control of the Supreme Lord and not think that he is fully independent. Otherwise, why would he be put into conditional life? situation there. You know, you have the fires of the gastric 
as you were doing like vasuki, skiing or fire in that pastime. And on one side it's the fire, it's like hot, like a furnace. On the other side you're squeezed by all these different organs. But yet amazingly, it, it's, it's horrendous, the whole experience, but yet one is amazed to see how Krishna engineers everything within the womb that somehow the embryo is able to fit compactly uh, amidst all these different organs and so on. So there, there the person is in a so-called, you could say, suspended animation. And then after a certain time has passed, in time is Krishna, like flip the switch, click, the light goes on, and a living being awakens. It's kind of like in a horror story. Somebody's in this deep stupor. Then they open their eyes. Are they going to be um, a vampire or what? So he opens his eyes. The living being, um, maybe not so physically, but one gets um, enlightenment. One is illumined with knowledge. And it's coming this uh, boon to be able to have this uh, almost omniscient awareness is given to the person by someone. The ability for the person to be in a trance-like state, Prabhupada says that is seven months, you know, in the room. Um, from this deep sleep, one is awakened and sees the light and sees himself in a situation. So there's so many feelings, not just uh, the physicality of the situation, there are so many feelings that this living entity is experiencing. And amidst this medley of emotions, there's two uppermost feelings. The, uh, the jiva, the living entity, I'll call him the jiva, has. A jiva, he has lamentation. First of all, his lamentation is, oh, I'm in this again. I ruined it again. I just spoiled it all again. And oh, if only I could be free. Give me space, give me light, give me light, give me love. I'm here, just help, help. From the core of his being, like, please help me, my dear Lord. He's calling out to someone, and innately he knows that there's someone who can help him. Someone superior, someone uh, supreme. That he's uh, calling out in this visceral manner, like an animal, like a child, crying to his mother. So there's this lamentation, I spoil it again, and I want to get out, how long can I tolerate this confinement here? So along, like ambivalently, along with the lamentation, there's jubilation. Oh, before that, I can't hear. So you say, oh, I spoil it, I, I could kick myself, but physically I can't do it right now, because I'm so bound up like in a cage. You know, I can kick myself for spoiling it again. Here I go again in the samsara and the cycle. It's like, when will I learn? So he has a self-realization, a self-enlightenment. So there's the lamentation, and alongside of the lamentation, there's a jubilation. That, oh, wait a minute, I'm looking at this foot. Somehow I can see it. It's a human foot. Oh. And then he realizes, maybe he can't touch his body. Oh, it is not bristly hairs here and there and long hairs and uh, a sort of animal nose. I've I got a human body. Glory, glory, jai, jai, be 
before it was on glass. That's glory. I got a human form of life. I made it. I made it. Thank you. Thank you. And he knows there's this helper, this person. Thank you. Thank you. I've been blessed with this body. By your grace, I offer you my obeisances, my, my respectful obeisances. So we're seeing here <clears throat> that somehow he's valuing the specific type of body he got. It's not mentioned in the text. You just hear body. He's talking about other types of bodies and that specific body which he's valuing so much. So the question is, what is so special? First of all, what type of body it is? And why is this body so special? What's so special about this body? Can you say? Perfect boat to get back to God. Perfect uh, boat, stout boat to get back to God. Thank you. Anybody else? What's so special? Um, as a human species, we have the power to protect the entire world. Thank you. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Nate? Uh, because we have the ability to use our intelligence. To use our intelligence um, in what way? To realize the supreme. To realize the supreme world. Thank you. We are gifted with intelligence. Uh huh. Yes. We can receive transcendental sound. We can receive Shakadama, yes. Yeah, we can also express it ourselves. Express ourselves. Can't the animals express themselves? They cannot. They can't voluntarily. And yeah, they cannot deliberately express transcendental sound and hear it and process it um, at the level of consciously conscious application. A human body can do that. Thank you. Prabhupada was saying that purport held animals they can't control their senses, but humans have the ability to control control themselves. If they don't, they don't know better than an animal. I know an animal could control himself. My sister's dog again, sweetie. He knew I like him, but I don't want him to touch me. So we've come ever so close. I could hear his breath away. Once he slipped and he actually nudged me, he was like, could you give me some attention? So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, at some point, you know, discussing, like, the idea of say a dog, you know, as opposed to some other animals who, who do have senses in some areas where they can sense your distress, they can sense um, when there's danger, um, they can speak when they want to be heard. I mean, I, I know a dog that could sing happy birthday. I'd sing on happy birthday and he'd howl, he'd howl happy birthday. And so it's, it's interesting because there's a soul in there, right? So how does that soul within that personification of a dog, you know, how is that recognized too? I mean, I know it's lower energy, but, but it's a transcendence from one soul to, into that next body. So there's got to be something there. The expression of the soul, yes. And um, are there any examples that you can think of 
since we're talking about a human body versus uh, non-human bodies, other species of life, as mentioned here, there's 8,400,000 species of life. Since this human body, you know, it has so many advantages, as you're saying, you know, it has intelligence, can inquire into knowledge of the absolute truth, you know, it can control its mind and senses, and so on. Any examples in scripture of human beings, um, scripture and otherwise, helping other living entities? Especially in scripture, can you think of any examples? Um, helping like animals and other species of life besides the human species. I've um, worked with Tanya growing Fijay kind of forest, and he's asking all the animals to chant Hare Krishna, and they're chanting and embracing, and they lost their envy by his uh, empowerment. Thank you, they gave up their natural animosity. Otherwise, it's, you know, dog eat dog, jivo, jivasya, jivana. One living being is food for the other. So they're watching at each other as kind. So Lord Chaitanya did that. Um, any other examples of devotees and otherwise giving, helping their brothers? Shivan of the same, delivered a dog. The dog was coming with the Sankirtan party. And so he started feeding it and taking care of it. And even paid, paid a fare to bring it across the river. And then one day the dog disappeared and he was chastising the devotees for leaving the dog. But then they found that the dog was with Lord Chaitanya. And he was like, Lord Chaitanya was like feeding him something. Coconut. Coconut. And then he said, chant Hare Krishna, the dog was chanting. And Shivananda Singh was so upset that, what, you didn't feed the dog, and on top of that, the dog, you know, was lost. So he didn't eat either. He fasted. So that's Pandita Samadarshana. There's another example dog, I think, in um, Gorkishore Das Babaji. He would have the little puppies eat from his plate, the remnants. Isn't it? Yeah. That's there. Those are puppies in Vrindavan. Any other examples? Animals? Yes. There's some Shastra that says. There's some Shastra that says uh, those with animalistic vision see Krishna as defeated, but uh, so with the human form of life, you can see that Krishna is always victorious. And so the residents taking shelter in Mathura trusting Krishna, we're able to be sent to Dwarka and certain stuff, massacre prevented. So I'm getting from that also like automatically with the presence of Krishna personally and Krishna's devotees, all the inhabitants, whether human or non-human, they all get benefit. And Krishna is his pets too, you know, the animals, Kakati, the monkey, uh, Radharani has a pet swan, um, they have different pets. I think Krishna has a dog too. I think he has a dog. Nada? Yes. He has two dogs. He has two dogs. And his cows and so on. Mm -hmm. 
just this book we've been reading called Animals and Krishna Consciousness. Yes. You know, have you seen it? I've read it. Oh yeah, it's very small, but yes. it, uh, it has a lot of examples of, like there's like a bull that would come to Mangalarti every day, you know, even if nobody was there, sometimes he was the only attendant, and uh, he would, he, he would, I can't remember if it was a dog or a bull, there's so many stories in there, but this, I think it was a bull, he would, even when the temple like closed down and they opened up another center, he knew where the other center was just by his like psychic powers or something, and he would just go to so you just started coming to the programs there instead. Or if anybody held a house program somewhere, he would know where the house program was and he would go to the program. <laughs> and you know, he'd, he'd sit through the whole kirtan, the whole lecture, take prasadam. <laughs> a lot of examples like that in that book. Seems like he didn't even need help from the humans. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's a story. Um, there was some mad rampaging elephants. They were like storming through town. And there was Rasikananda Prabhu. And um, anyway, they, they were going to attack Rasikananda. He's a disciple of Shamananda, very famous. Uh, but he was calm. He was just sitting there calm. And he just, just took some holy water and sprinkled on the head. And he said, chant, go Ranga, go Ranga, Krishna, Krishna. And they stopped. And they started to chant. They chanted Goranga and Krishna, and then they left peacefully. So he was guru of the elephants. You wanted to give an example? There's an instance in Los Angeles. There's an instance in Los Angeles. Shilaparapad was in the garden there. And he was having a talk with the devotees, and a cat came in. And a cat came to Shilaparapad's feet. And Shilaparapad, he started looking for Srila Prabhupada's feet and Srila Prabhupada allowed the cat to do so. And then after a little while, he said enough. So the devotees took the cat outside, <laughs> outside the garden. And the, you could hear the cat actually lamenting outside. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when it left in it, it, it lament, actually lamented the, the, the separation from Srila Prabhupada. <laughs> Yeah, I know like sometimes the cat that my groom arrives, sometimes he'd get brave and just jump up and go on top of his lap. And leave it there for a while and then yeah. <laughs> let the cat go. So many stories. Uh, giving Krishna consciousness and sharing Krishna consciousness with our little um, kin, our little brothers. So we were talking about, yeah, um, this human form of life is the best. And it's actually the highest in the, the spiritual evolutionary scale. You know, you have all these different species of life that the living entity want, they want to enjoy. We come and we are quite happy to enjoy the form of a fish. It's like, whoa, I'm a fish, spaced out and just floating. My mouth is open, my eyes are bubbling, you know. Uh, what a rasa, perverted rasa I'm enjoying. Enjoying this rasa as a fish. And then, yeah, I want to slide to stand up as a tree. And I'll outlive all of these mere mortals, human beings being a tree. So you want to enjoy in so many different ways. So what happens after a while is a result of this uh, dabbling and indulging material pleasure and associating with material objects. We become misled and we forget what's the real purpose of life. 
even when we get the human form of life. So human form of life has all these golden assets, like we were all, all enumerating here, but there's always a risk with the human form of life, because not all human forms are created equal. Not all humans are equal. Indeed, it is said um, in the Padma Puran, out of the 8,400,000 species of life, 400,000 are human, human forms. And out of these 400,000 human forms, over 300,000 human forms, they are not interested in spiritual life. They don't know what's the aim of life. So it's those who I enjoy like, wee, I'm a bird, you know, I don't need to wear all this gear. Uh, I get to be a bird and this and that. You know, so the other one might have the human form of life, Prabhupada shows us that human form of life, we can still be animalistic, still very much trying to enjoy, you know, eating, sleeping, mating, defending, and so in that way we misuse the human form of life. And we've got to pay for it, we devolve again, and we degrade. And we have to start all over again, like we've seen here, maybe this is the start of, of a new life as a human being. Because like Kapila Dave pointed out previously, the human beings, there's different types of human beings according to the modes of material nature. So those who are in the lower modes of material nature, of passion and ignorance, they, are, they, they may get a human form of life due to some uh, great fortune, but they tend to misuse it. Because um, it is said in the Srimad Bhagavatam, once we're in the conditioned state and we're trying to enjoy that lower taste that's there, that we have, we become inclined to enjoy abominable activities. We have a desire. We gravitate toward abominable activities. That's like, like how the song goes, you know. Um, you're walking along with your, uh, your family. They're decent people. And as you're walking along, you see like a glittering light, you know? And you're attracted towards it, but it's not very good for you. And you're starting to lag behind because you're just like fixated, you become caught. Like Prabhupada says, when you want to be a rascal, enjoy Maya says, come, come you rascal, and she catches up. So that's what I mean, you're lagging behind, and you're seeing this glittering light. Like, uh, he said, like a brotel, a hotel, or like the song says, um, Welcome to the illusionary Maya, such a lovely place, such a lovely place, such a lovely face, such a lovely face. You know the song, hotel, right? Lit up in the illusionary Maya, any time of year, any time of year. You can find me here. And it said, we're prisoners of our own device. That's what the artist is saying. We are prisoners of our own device. Because the others are, you know, they're nudging, come along, come along. But the rascal, like he's, you know, he's gravitating like the wasp towards the light. I want to go there, I want to go there. I want to experience it, like leave me alone. I want to see how it is like. So that's part of the forgetfulness there. And um, this verse 
actually confirms that in the Srimad Bhagavatam in the 11th canto, 5.1. Loka Vyavya, Loke Vyavyaya Nishamadya Seva, Nitya Vijanta Nahi Tatra Chudana, Vyavastiti Stesha Vivaha Yavya, Sura Grahaya Asur Vivitya Quite impressive. And it means. In this material world, the conditioned soul is always, is always inclined to sex, meat-eating and intoxication. Therefore, religious scriptures never actually encourage such activities. So we see we abstain from such activities. Although the scriptural injunctions provide for sex through sacred marriage, for meat-eating through sacrificial offerings, and for intoxication through the acceptance of ritual cups of wine at see priests doing that in the Catholic Church. They're quaffing a bit more than they're supposed to from the chalice. Anyway, uh, through the acceptance of ritual cups of wine, such ceremonies are meant for the ultimate purpose of renunciation. This is from Chamasa Yogendra. He's instructing King Nimi. So, 11.5.11. So yeah, the majority of the, the living beings, the conditioned jivas, they're not interested in the aim of life. They don't care. They don't want to hear. But there's that minority, such great souls are very rare who are pursuing self-realization and who understand what's the purpose of this human form of life. So in the first paragraph, or, um, yes, in the first paragraph, it's showing the value and the purpose of the human form of life. And the second paragraph of the purport, Srila Prabhupada, he talks about gratitude. <coughs> gratitude for having this human form of life and utilizing it properly. And we see the living entity here, the jiva, he is, uh, he's grateful. He's, um, he's exulting in the fact that I got this human form of life. He's so very happy. Oh, I got a human form of life in which I can control my senses. So you see, he has good intentions. Although we know good intentions, they pave the path to hell. So sometimes the Jiva can forget all his good intentions. But at the moment, he's well-intentioned. You see, uh, he's appreciating. I can learn to control myself and I can see what's the real goal. I can understand my destination to go back home, back to Godhead. So he's offering obeisances, he's praying, he's acknowledging, he's feeling blessed to have this human body, not to exploit it for sense pleasure, but to use it to go back, to uh, go back to his original position. So gratitude is there, and um, I was wondering what you would have to say, like in what ways can we express our gratitude for having this human form of life? In what ways? If you can give some, like a detail, not a principle, but like a detailed example, what ways can we express our gratitude for attaining this human form of life? Tadia, you wanted to say? Thank you. I'm in the Mangalarti every morning. Coming to Mangalarti every morning, yes, nice. 
We're submitting ourselves to the instructions of the spiritual master. Thank you. to be able to do your service, you know, to be able to clean and um, dress the deities and, you know, have that physical ability yes. to perform your services. So. Yes, because sometimes there are challenges on the path and you just have to pray to Krishna, please, let me do the first step, thank you, let me do the second step, the third step, and then you just end up doing the service effortlessly and you're very grateful and you remember I thank you, Krishna. I thank you, Krishna, for helping us every step of the way. So thank you. Uh -huh. Is it in the song? Uh... Okay. No, There's a song about uh, the mind. Yeah, it's not right now. But it's saying this human form of life is very rare, and you should take advantage of it by associating with the devotees. Devotee association. Manusha Janma. Manusha Janma. Radha Krishna. Oh, no, that's it. Yeah, it's not. By choosing our association rather than being worldly minded people taking the association of spiritualists. Yeah, it says that you've gotten this rare form of human life, and so therefore you yes. should take advantage of it by associating with saintly persons. Isn't that Hari Hari Yeah, that was Prabhupada's favorite song. When he was asked, when he was um, said his favorite song. Thank you. Uh, okay, go ahead. I was just thinking, uh, chanting and dancing is a good way to express gratitude. Especially, you know, anytime I'm dancing, I feel like it's just out of gratitude. It's hard not to be grateful when you're dancing. <laughs> yeah, and we choose, we see, we choose to do that type of dance. Instead of the disco dance and the mundane dance that's meaningless, we choose to do this dance. I'll dance to Krishna. Krishna make me dance. I was also thinking this gratitude, when you're grateful to someone, you know, they're doing so much for you. They're supplying all your needs. You know, Krishna says that. He says, um, I, I provide. What is it? I provide what they, uh, I provide what they, I sustain what, I maintain what they have, and I provide, um, how does it go? I carry what they lack, and I preserve it. Yeah, he just knows how like everything and more and more we get so surprised when we start it's like wow Krishna I wanted this thing it's a detailed thing I wanted and then there you are giving it to me and you're like almost afraid to accept it you know so he, this person is giving so much so much he's like a mother he's like the best mother the best father that naturally spontaneously you want to give back you want to give there's so much gratitude, and they want to demonstrate that gratitude. So then there is this, uh, it's not just like, okay, I have to do service, that's what I learned theoretically. He's giving me so much, and I have to give in return. It's not like some um, cut and dry, stale teaching, but it comes to life like, he's giving me so much, he really loves me, and I just naturally want to give in return, like voluntarily. 
And in that way, the, the relationship begins, the sambandha. The relationship begins between, and then it grows. There's further development of the sins. You want to give of yourself and give the best, and put your best foot forward. And at first, there's this awe and reverence, this veneration that's there. And then the relationship can develop and go even further from that own veneration to, to friendship, love and friendship. And you see there's different grades of friendship, different types of friendship. One can be a friend to Krishna, but the person is more in the own veneration area. And then one can gradually um, develop further and go to a more intimate level of relationship with Krishna. Like we see uh, Arjuna. Arjuna was a, a body of Krishna. And when he saw who Krishna is, the whole veneration um, uh, mood kicked in and he was a bit afraid. He said, please forgive me. I have been so familiar with you. You know, we joked, I even insulted you and so on, but you're the supreme personality of Godhead. So different types of friendship. So that gratitude and the natural wanting to express it from that relationship with Krishna grows and it develops. So uh, yeah, so in the, all these different ways, one is uh, demonstrating gratitude. And then in the last paragraph of the purport, Srila Prabhupada is talking about the ability for us to see ourselves and see Krishna. So that's what um, in the verse Kapila Davis, he's um, talking about this jiva who is uh, appreciating that he's been blessed with this human body and in, by the grace of that person who's helping him, God, I can see God within and without. So one of the benefits of having this human form of life also is one gets proper vision, one gets spiritual vision, it's called Goloka Darshan. One gets to become like a proper seer. You can see yourself that I'm not this body, physical or subtle, but I'm the soul, eternal servant of God, that I'm subservient to God. Prabhupada always make, takes pains to show that God is the greatest. We can think we are great in so many ways. We can think we are the greatest in a particular field, but nobody is greater than Krishna. No matter what it is, nobody is greater than Krishna. So he's pointing out this distinction between ourselves and Krishna, that he's independent, he's the greatest, he's the boss, we're dependent. We're dependent on Krishna. We are like babes in the woods here, and Krishna is the one who's helping us. So in this human form of life, we learn to see things as they are, we learn to see our position, but uh, we are seers in one way, but as Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati says, the real seer, the overseer, overseer of all seers, that's God. That's Krishna. It's called Drashta. Drashta means like God is the center of existence. It's for him. He is the predominator. He, he's the one who has to enjoy everything. For him, all pleasure should be given. He's the one who's to be served. So he's the Drashta. He's the one who's seeing us. And we are the objects of his darshan, the, object, the objects of his vision, the drishya. So we can learn how to have that proper vision in this human form of life also. So um, 
we talked about the purpose, the value of having this human form of life to attain self-realization, go back to God, love of God. Then um, also gratitude for having this human form of life, how to express it properly and make further advancement. And then about the seer and the seen, how the, one of the important advantages of having this human form of life is that we get proper vision. We can see things in a Krishna conscious perspective. Who we are in relationship to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That he is indeed the seer, the center of existence, and we are the seen. So when we think of that automatically, um, it helps us to realize our position and to act in a suitable manner, like Chanada Pisuinchena, to take a humble position. So I'll stop here. If there are any questions or comments now? Yes. Uh, we can be grateful for how uh, Bhagavad Gita Krishna tells us that the spiritual progress is never lost and how he's all merciful and all powerful and our best friend. And uh, we can bring that into. Uh, I like that. Very nice. Yes. It's like whatever progress we make is never lost. And we can see that here at this point in time, that that jiva has made some progress. And Krishna is reciprocating by giving that person another chance in the human form of life to uh, pursue self-realization. So that, that progress is never lost. There's no loss or diminution in this path. And it saves one from the most dangerous type of fear. What's the most dangerous type of fear? Devolving. The problems of losing the human body. Getting losing the human body. Degrading to the lower species where um, they see only by instinct, as Lord Kapila Dave says. Thank you for that. Anybody else? Questions, comments, make it through? Thank you. I was just wondering if you could summarize the answer to that question at the end of the purport. At the end of what? At the end of the purport. Uh, one should know that he is under the control of the Supreme Lord and not think that he is fully independent. Otherwise, why should he be put into conditional life? So maybe some summary of, of that. Yes, if one observes um, himself and his movements in this material world, the chapters like the movements of the living entities, we can see um, that we have some control to some extent, but not completely, that we are dependent. And that example is given of the child or an animal, you know, especially the child and animal, you know, Um They can be reckless and harm themselves and hurt others as well. So they're given a certain leeway of uh, independence. But further than that, you know, you see the dog on the leash, you don't see the leash, it's so fine, it's like almost invisible. And the dog is going here and there and just like, 
wandering around. But if it goes too near someone, like you see, like it's tugged back. You know that that control is there. So we can see that even the um, phraseology that's used there, we are put. We might like in a passive state. It, it indicates that there is some control that's there. And when we learn to become more responsible uh, by taking to Krishna consciousness and actually practicing, then the more um, the more control we get, the, the more freedom there is. Would you like to say something? Thank you. Anybody else? Um, I appreciate the point you made about um, giving back as much as we can through the energy of pure gratitude for what we have giving back all that we can because we're happy with who we are and what we've been and grateful for that. So we want to share it with others. Thank you, yeah. That's the result of the gratitude. We want to share it with others for the benefit. Thank you. Okay. Should I quick point? So I like, you mentioned from, was it Padma Parana about the health, over 300,000 of the human species are not interested in spiritual life? I was just thinking, sometimes it's hard for me to have the perspective, so of the 8.4 million, 400,000 are humans, and I, I just calculated it's like less than 5% are humans, but then if you factor in the only 100,000, that's like almost 1% of all the species. It's just a nice way to put that into perspective. birds, bees, humans, and each species, each one of these categories, there's species and different species, and the human beings, they're, they're called species in terms of their different levels of consciousness, influenced by the modes of material nature. Anything else? If, what's your name, Prabhu? Uh, my name's Matthew. Matthew, nice to meet you. Yeah, I I wanted to also appreciate Sanatana Goswami's Mahamas Dutchman to the Srimad Bhagavatam, her regular attendance on classes on Srimad Bhagavatam makes attachment to Krishna an irrevocable fact. Very nice, thank you. Because that is enjoyment Bhagavatam, like how do we transcend those basic forms of enjoyment that we experience in the human form of life and Bhagavatam says very definite, definitively categorically he says armed with a sword of knowledge slash, slash through that darkness of ignorance the dense, armed with a sword of knowledge and it said that Balaram or Balaram helps you wield the sword Krishna's um, mercy incarnation of Lord Balaram he helps you hold that sword to slash through the dust. And by attending Bhagavatam, as he says, that knowledge in the association of the devotees and the Sangha and so on, we, we get that knowledge and that strength to cut, cut through and slash through the undergrowth in the forest. And then you can see the light and see everything in that bright perspective, everything. 
So we can end here. Thank you very much. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Srimad Prabhupada Ki Jai. Madhava Shri Mani.